Thank you for tuning in to Aletheia Bible Fellowship. Today's sermon on agency has to do with being made in the image of God and what the practical outworking of that uh, looks like. So we look at the example of Jesus and God to you know, what it is that we are supposed to do. If you'd like any further information or you have questions, you can check out our website at abfpdx.org. Make sure to like, subscribe, and even hit the bell so you see when we post new material. Thank you. Uh, so today, in order to wrap up my small arc about being made in the image of God and how that ties into agency, we're going to spend a lot of time reading Scripture because God's Word is really what's going to describe for us uh, what it is that uh, we need to know today. Um, and yes, I have been playing around with cutesy little titles. Last week was Whoa Heavy, talking about responsibility. And first week was Does It Matter, dealing with the fact that we're made in the image of God and what that, uh, what that means for how it is that we are valued as people and how we should value people and the fact that we have a voice in those things. So we've talked about the fact that we're valuable, that our relationships with other people are valuable. We've talked about the responsibility that is there because we are made in the image of God. And today, we talk about what it looks like to actually utilize that agency as informed by God and Jesus himself in his word. Uh, so today's title, that's what he does. So that's what he does, a reflection of his image with less distortion. See, we've talked about this idea that we, uh, because of the fall, have been marred and reflect less perfectly the image of God. But praise God, through his son, Jesus Christ, we have been restored. So we're going to start today um, by a psalm written by David. And we're going to read in Psalm 8... Well, the entirety of Psalm 8, because it is a beautiful psalm, and it uh, puts all these things together real nicely. O Lord, our Lord, your majesty fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. When I look at the night sky, I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you set in place. What are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything that you made and you put all things under their authority. The flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish of the sea and everything that swims the ocean currents. O oh Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Beautiful passage. It draws attention to the gloriousness of God, our creator, to be learned as to how it is that we put the power that we have been given, the blessing that we have been given in being made in the image of God. It puts that into proper context for us. It tells us how it is that we are to use it. So God, through our Savior Jesus Christ, instructs through the outworking of properly wielded agency. And we can learn then how it is that we would wield our agency. Now, of course, we would be foolish. 
not to recognize there's a problem that must be addressed. And the problem is, as we read through verse 6 and 8, right, it says, you gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority, the flocks and the herds and the wild animals and the birds in the sky, the fish of the sea, and everything that swims in the ocean currents. So, if all of these things are under our authority, how is it that the flocks and the herds work against us? How is it that the wild animals attack us? How is it that the birds escape us? Or the fish elude us? How is it that we're afraid to swim in the ocean because the sharks will eat us? Where's the dominion and the authority over these things? If these things are truly under authority, how does this happen? And the answer, of course, goes back to Genesis 1. And the first humans that were made in the image of God damaged their reflection. And because they damaged that reflection, when they took it upon themselves to provide for themselves, though they had been provided for by God, when they sought to glorify their self, when they listened and took as truth that which was lies, it had an effect on all of creation. Not just man, not just his reflection of God's image, it had an effect on all of creation. So instead of being able to work, because we were made to work, right? We saw that God blessed Adam and Eve with work to be done. He put them in the garden to take care of the garden. Instead of work, though, instead we now toil because of the fall. We think of our work today even, as something merely that we do to pay our debts. How many toil simply to pay the interest on their credit cards? I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. The motto of the American society. Though we know we are still made in the image of God from his own words, this absolute truth we have hampered ourselves in the image we reflect by how it is that we look at these things. Our ability to function as he blessed us is hampered because we have sinned against him. In Hebrews chapter 2, the writer quotes Psalms 8 and says two very significant things. First of all, in Hebrews 2, verse 8, you gave them authority over all things. Now, when it says all things, it means that nothing is left out. But we have not yet seen all things put under their authority. I underlined that part a little bit. It's underlined in my physical Bible, too. But we have not yet seen all things put under their authority. So it's clearly obvious today, as you look around the world, we have to face the fact that man has so marred our reflection because of the fall that instead of providing stewardship and dominion over all of creation, 
We are ruining creation. The air is polluted. Our natural resources are used up at a phenomenal rate. Did you know that we're in the midst of a helium shortage? In the midst of a helium shortage, because we use this resource for party balloons. Wow. Helium is a noble gas. It has specific properties that are so useful in things that we would be able to create, and energy that we would be able to harness. And we use it for party balloons, and there's a shortage. We pollute waters and soil, and we make it nearly impossible for human life to continue. You'll hear environmentalists talk about the island of plastic floating off the coast in the Pacific. This is not the legacy we were created to have. But because of the fall, because of our focus on self and how it is that we would provide for ourselves, we have misused our agency. We have put the focus where it does not belong. And it has a very lasting effect. We must face the truth, as the writer says in Hebrews, but we have not yet seen all things put under their authority. But he also says something else. If you look in the next verse, so Hebrews 2, verse 9, what we do see is Jesus who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels, and because he suffered death for, now, for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. So because of the suffering of death, God has crowned him with glory and honor, which he intended for man from the beginning. And in seeing Jesus, we can see God and how he intends to fulfill his original creation. How he intends to fulfill creation of humans in his own image. So we must notice that God did not abandon us when we sinned. So we still maintain an image of God, but it is marred. God provided a way for that to be restored. So even though we don't accurately reflect God's glory back in how it is that we take care of everything that he has put us in dominion over, he does give us the hope and possibility of restoration of that. If you look at Ephesians 2, in verse 10, and we've looked at this before, I think it was two weeks ago. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Jesus Christ. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So though we were marred, though we no longer properly reflected Though we now toil instead of work, though we destroy instead of properly steward what we were given, there is hope for a restoration in Jesus Christ, 
who makes us anew. So we look then, because it just makes sense, if we are going to look at how it is that we should properly then use our agency, we look then towards Jesus as an example of how that power is used. How he wielded the fact that he is created in the image of God as man on earth. Now, you remember Pastor Josh shared several weeks ago regarding the temptation of Jesus Christ after his time of fasting in the desert. If you don't remember, it's on YouTube. Go look at it. It's important as we go through the year that we continue to reference these teachings as they will continue to guide us throughout the year. So we look at Luke 4, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for forty days. Jesus ate nothing at that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No. For the Scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone. Took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. And Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect and to guard you. They will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. And when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. So though asked to show dominion over creation by turning the rocks into bread, Jesus instead replied with the word of God given through Moses. And this points to supplication of dominion to the creator, not seeking to fulfill things through his own power. Though asked to worship the devil, Jesus replied with the word of God given through Moses. And this points to his understanding of where the blessing of dominion begins in God's will and not in his own. And though asked to evidence God's protection, Jesus replied with the word of God given through Moses, and this shows humility and supplication before the creator of all things. He shows a proper faith and knows that God is with him. So Jesus was faced with the same temptation as Adam and Eve, to provide for himself, to raise himself to glory. And as a man, he instead chose to honor and to glorify God in how he responded. So we can see, even in this example, a repaired reflection of the image of God 
through the person, the man of Jesus Christ in this moment. It is through Jesus that we are restored and renewed as image bearers. We are made one with him as he as one with the Father. That deserves an amen. Man. Whew. Calm down, everybody. We are given many, many examples of how Jesus, through his time on earth, before his death, how it is that he put proper context into his use of agency. There's not just one example, there are many examples. But we'll just look at a couple. We can look at Mark 4, verse 39. And in Mark 4, in verse 39, Jesus wakes up, he's in the midst of a storm at sea with his disciples. And the sea is overpowering, the wind is bearing down, and Jesus wakes up and he rebukes the wind and says to the waves, Silence! Be still! And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And it says in verse 40, Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other that even the wind and the waves obey him. He shows dominion over creation. Jesus explains how it is that he does these things when he's talking to Philip. We can see this in John 14.10. He said, Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Think of all of the things that we would consider miracles that Jesus performed. And he did all of these things not to lift himself up, but to point to the Father through him. This shows proper use of agency. He shows through himself who the person of God is. In Matthew 14, immediately after this, Jesus insisted his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. And after sending them home, he went up to the hill by himself to pray, and night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting the heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In fear, they cried, uh, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them, don't be afraid and take courage. I am here. When Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. And Jesus said, yes, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus, but when he saw the strong winds and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus reached out and grabbed him and said, You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? 
Then they climbed into the boat and the wind stopped and the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. So Peter walked by faith for a hot second. But then he doubted. So it is possible for humans to have dominion even over the sea if they don't doubt the Lord. If these things are shown to glorify the Lord. When we say, see like Elijah, when we see Elisha, when we see Paul perform miracles, all of these times it doesn't point to their person. It doesn't point to themselves, but it points to the power of God. When you look at Paul, Paul and Barnabas in Lystra, after the Holy Spirit enabled their miracles and people went to worship them. They implored the crowd not to worship them for they knew that it was not because of them themselves. They called for the crowd to remember that they were men. You can find that in Acts 14. The Holy Spirit enabled the miracles and they were testament to his power, not to Paul's and Barnabas's. Peter also shows a key component in Acts 3, 1 through 13. As they go to the temple one day, him and John, for the three o'clock prayer service, they approach the temple. A man who is lame from birth was being carried in. He's put beside the temple gate. And Peter and John looked at him intently. He put his hand out thinking that he was going to get money from them. But Peter took him by the hand and he helped him up and his feet and his ankles strengthened and he immediately jumped up. It says in verse 9 that all the people saw this man walking, heard him praising God, and when they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the gate, they were stunned. They were absolutely astounded. And they all rushed out in amazement to the colonnade where the man was holding tight to Peter and John. Now, Peter saw this as an opportunity to address the crowd. So he said, people of Israel, what is so surprising about this? And why are you staring at us, though we made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. It's the same Jesus that you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. Now, you may say to me, you may you, you say, James, but these are all miracles. These are all things that we call miracles. And I don't know about you, I'm not seeing a lot of miracles in this day and age. I'm not see, seeing people healed at the, the steps of the church, right? I haven't seen anybody walk on water. This is not about the miracles. This is about the proper use of agency. Now, when it does come to miracles, remember that Jesus himself said that we need nothing more than the faith of a mustard seed to move a mountain. Now, don't, don't say, well, James said that I don't have enough faith because I'm not moving mountains and I'm not performing miracles. No, because there's more to it than that. How would the moving of that mountain glorify God? 
Don't fall prey to uh, Simon Magus syndrome. I just coined a new phrase. If you don't remember, he was the one that thought when he saw the Holy Spirit's power acting that he could purchase that power. But this power is not meant to use, be used for our own glorification. That is where the fall comes in, and we begin to think that we need to provide for ourselves, we need to lift ourselves up, we need to value ourselves more than anybody else. But we see this is not the case through the example of Jesus. Now, Paul discusses the problem that we have in Romans 8. And Paul says in Romans 8, beginning in verse 5, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. That's why those who are still under control of their sinful nature can never please God. But he goes on later to discuss the hope that we have. If you look, starting in verse 19 of Romans 8. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So when you take all of this, it leads us back to Psalm 8, to verse 1, and also ending in verse 9, those brackets that are there. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. See, Jesus shows us the proper use of agency and how it is that he interacted with people. He shows us how it's to be used in supplication and to bring glory to God the Father. How we walk in our life needs to bring glory and honor to God and not just to self. Now, of course, we in the United States do not face constant persecution. We don't fall victim to... We don't have to sneak Bibles across the river at night. We don't have to worry about being caught with one as we walk down the street. We plaster it on bumper stickers and drive down the road. Not all Christians in this day and age have those luxuries. So we fall victim to certain laziness when it comes to being like Christ and how we use our agency. Do we make it a priority to spend time in prayer? Do we make it a priority to spend time in his word, to spend time in fellowship, to work towards stewardship of all that he has given us? Or do we instead decide that, you know, I'm in a good place. I can skip my Bible reading for one day. God, God knows me. It's all right. 
or we decide instead of instead of going to the church, instead of strengthening the fellowship tonight, I'm going to take a nap. Do we make decisions based on providing and caring for ourselves and not on bringing glory and honor to God? Do we strengthen the fellowship? Do we strengthen God's glory? Or do we, say, miss a Sunday because we have errands to run and we just can't fit it into our busy week? How far down the priority list do we put time with God and fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ? It should be at the top. Our relationship with God should be at the forefront of every action that we take. Do we really believe that he will not provide for us? How many examples does he have to give you every day? And if you don't see examples every day of how he's providing for you, why are you not looking for them? I can see them in my life. And I don't consider myself better than you. I don't have that power. There are numerous things each and every day that speak volumes of how it is that we use the agency of being created in the image of God and the small things like letting hunger rule in how it is that we are tempted to provide food for ourselves. These small things show if we honestly have faith that God will provide. So just as Christ did not let a little thing like hunger alter how it is that he worked through God, we should not either. Jesus restores man as the image bearers of God so that we can properly reflect that image. We properly reflect that image by putting our relationship with God at the forefront and by putting ourselves at the mercy of his will, knowing that he will always provide for us, that he will always take care of us. It is when we have decided to take care of ourselves that all the problems began. First question, what is the practical outworking of being made in God's image for you? What does that look like? What is the practical outworking of being made in God's image for you? Second question, what process in your life needs to better reflect God's image? What process in your life needs to better reflect God's image? And last question I have for you is, how does being made in God's image inform your actions? How does being made in God's image inform your actions?